Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital media and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Homan, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Bram and Gareth from Black Lantern Music, a net label from Scotland. Um, I'm uh, Bram, also known as Texture. Uh, I co-run Black Lantern Music with Gareth and uh, you know, a small collective of musicians over here in Scotland. Um, I'm also a kind of rapper and producer. And I'm Gareth, and I'm Asthmatic Astronaut. I'm also a producer and co-run the label with Bram here, and I'm an audio engineer. Great. So where is Black Lantern from? <laughs> Technically, it's from Edinburgh. Uh, we started out as a small kind of collective of musicians who were all collaborating, and we all had uh, stacks of physical releases that we put out and order too many of, and we were all giving our way mu- our music for free um, via kind of file sharing sites and send space and uh, you know the original mega upload and things like that. Um, so we thought let's put it in uh, in you know all together in one spot really, and this was kind of before Bandcamp, wasn't it? Yeah, so we just felt we should bring everybody together as a collective and uh, all sort of run under the same name the idea that you're kind of more visible as a collective kind of powered it but then it just kind of grew and span out until we were releasing tracks by bands from like ukraine and we've got some guys in minnesota seattle um so it became kind of like quite a big international thing and i think that's that's really like the beauty of a net label is that you can be from some small town like edinburgh um, but you can connect with people worldwide yeah so why do you choose creative commons licenses as opposed to doing all rights reserved angle for your releases. What was the thinking behind that originally? <laughs> well, originally we just thought we would want to get as many people to listen to our music as possible. And originally we thought if we're giving away our music for free, we could make money to fund our music by doing more live shows. But uh, quite rapidly we found out our core audience was more international than local. Yeah. Um, I'd say as well, there was an ideological kind of element to it in that, you know, when we started the label, we were still very much kind of digital utopians in our thinking. And we we, we very much wanted the net label movement to kind of overthrow the music industry. Uh, You know, we used to put a little tag on all our releases, music wants to be free. Um, But as we've gone along, what we've realized is that really people like to contribute. They like to give you a a donation for in exchange for an album or for a product. And also that, you know, physical releases even if you do them on a very very small scale um a very limited edition they're still highly desirable you know i think you know even if someone downloads an album from bandcamp if they've got the cassette sitting up on their uh, bookshelf they're more likely to listen to the digital copy i think so we've slightly changed up our business model and that's really what you know kind of going away and coming back which is what we're about to do is all about is like transitioning to the new model yeah, so you just released um, a compilation that I saw called Black Lantern Music is Dead. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So it's kind of a best of. We did a, we did one at 50 releases, which was like a best of the first uh, 50 or so. And this one kind of recaps the last two years. But there's also lots of exclusive tracks on it. And um, those, I think, really give a flavor of where we want the label to go. Uh, you know, we've got some kind of harder electronic sounds on that. 
you know, in particular the first track, Black Hole Gang, I think is a really good indication of, of where the label's at and where it's headed. So, you know, some of those tracks you'll see coming out on limited physical releases when we start back up again. Um, but, you know, mostly it's a celebration of the last couple of years. And I think what's different about BLM 50 to BLM 100 is probably uh, just the fact that it's more uh, kind of embodies the core artists, I'd say. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you can see a more direct route of everybody's music and where it's evolved to and where it's heading. We're also kind of like massively interested in collaboration and that's the thinking behind slimming down the roster. It's not that we don't want to work with people like Mr. Morse or, um, you know, some of the other bands that we've released. It's just more like we've got a core group of collaborators, which isn't just based here in Scotland. Um, I collaborate with P-Rex in Seattle and, um, you know, various of us are working with Marv Mannard as a producer. He's over in um, uh, Minnesota. So it's, you know, it's, it, it's more that we've, we've kind of found a, a, a group of collaborators that we're quite happy with and we're going to bring in all the other people we've worked with to do remixes and um, you know to uh, perhaps do future collaborations so although the label's technically getting smaller it's still this big extended family which is still quite evident from the comp what is some of the strangest stuff you'd say that you've released or encountered in the last Hmm. few years (laughs) for me the weirdest one has got to be somos nanos by mosef yeah that's quite a it's an interesting album. To the point that I don't even know if we have that on our band camp because it's just so left field that we thought. <laughs> um, it's an album that's like nearly entirely made of vocalised sounds that aren't words and it's almost beatless, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a tough listen. But, you know, like we, we did, um, we love Mo's F stuff. Usually he makes kind of really beautiful um, uh, like live techno jams and um, kind of esoteric electronica and this was a departure for him um but we trust our artists i mean that was always the ethos behind black lantern because we were a net label is if our artists brought us something and um, they believed in it you know we would put it out um i think the quality control uh, and the kind of i guess the aesthetic guidance of the label is going to get a bit more strict from here on out but yes yeah, almost nanos was a weird one but we kind of specialize in weird i mean if you look at bands like seleni the first time i saw ali maloney aka harlequinade from seleni performing he was um doing tape loops with a delay filter and um uh, owen was bashing out some kind of gung-ho was bashing out these crazy uh white noise rhythms and they were sellotaping each other's faces up you know and it was like this kind of aimless <laughs> electronic improvisation with screaming and um so you know we, we we, we kind of corner the market in weird and we're quite proud of that i think even the hip-hop stuff we do has a spin on it that makes it not hip-hop for some people uh we, we like to kind of take an established thing and then try and see where we can push it tell me a little bit about running a net label and what that looks like for you what's a typical day like watching uh, bars upload for hours <laughs> <laughs> very true uh g and i kind of um initially started with five or six of us running it but g and i were the ones who ended up doing you know the lion's share of the work so we're now the directors um i have a full-time job uh gareth's a father so you know we have, we have other stuff going on in our lives so we try and try and fit it in in and around that um but in terms of the, the main duties, is like we, have, we run a big Facebook group, which has got quite in, good interactions. Our Twitter is fairly active, so I monitor that during the day. And it's also just a case of keeping in touch with the artists. But, you know, the, I think definitely most net labels are born out of either a Facebook group or a message board. And, you know, that's where we still thrive um, as a label. We've got various secret groups where we communicate about um, upcoming projects and collaborations. 
And some things gestate for a long time. Like um, I've got a track on BLM 100 by Power Hungry Liars, which is myself and P-Rex. And that's, um, you know, that's been in, in the drawing board phase for, gosh, at least two years now. Um, so, you know, so we've got a lot of stuff that's still happening under the hood. And that's why uh, phase two has become necessary. Really, mm-hmm. We just needed a, a new yard to play in, I think. Um, but yeah, it's 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 difficult fitting in and around. And we, we we try to put on events and stuff. But like as uh, Gareth mentioned earlier, uh, our biggest audience is the international audience we have online, and that's really mainly where we interact with them. So even though we're trying to transition into a label that does physicals and puts on events a bit more, um, and maybe has more of a local focus than it has, you know, we we still owe a lot to our online community, and we we kind of wouldn't have a label without it. Do you have any advice for anyone who would be trying to set up their own net label or get started? Gosh, I think there's definitely like value in community. Um, you know, we're very close with several other net labels. We help in their releases. They help in ours. Um, Oral sets in particular, our relationship with them is excellent and collab with them. So yeah, make friends, make allies. But I think, you know, there's, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, we were the first wave and now there's too many people. <laughs> um, but there is a proliferation now of net labels dropping uh, you know, releases every every two weeks. And it's hard to keep up with. I think, you know, there's a tide of music. So in some ways, net labels are great because they help you curate that tide of music and order it. Um, and in some ways, uh, the proliferation of net labels does drown out, you know, maybe some of quality that don't get the coverage that maybe they should so i don't know i'm a little conflicted about net labels now yeah definitely uh but if you are going to start a net label i think probably quality control should mm. be a, a big thing you know make sure your releases sit together nicely you know make sure that everybody has something in common that works and then people will come back because they'll, they'll know you for, for giving that quality of music out i think that labels are really interesting because they have emerged as these little kind of bedroom empires and really that's where most of them have stayed you know a few have graduated on to bigger things like you know triangle i think is probably still run from the guy's bedroom or a small office but it's it's, it's become a label that's internationally recognized and known um so you know some 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 net labels are going to end up going down that route of becoming more like the traditional music industry and that's where we found ourselves is that it just makes more sense to have a business structure like that if we're going to run it as a business others um will, will be online curators who, who do it for the love and there's definitely an element of both in what we do um you know, we definitely don't make music to make money. That's that's never been first and foremost the thing that we do. And I think that's why people start net labels because they're lovers of music. It's um, if you think you're going to start a net label and get famous, then you're in the wrong in the wrong game. <laughs> yeah, I would say that a lot of value for me as the free music archive director has been that net labels have sort of acted as really great curatorial windows onto specific genres or specific geographic areas. Um, so do you, does your label, like, would you describe it as more genre specific since it is so international? Um, no, I mean, it's very genre diverse. Um, but I mean, you know, just to take you back to FMA for a second, FMA has been an absolute miracle for us. I'd say probably 90% of our audience is on FMA. Um, and we're hugely grateful for all those listeners. And what's more, our artists are hugely grateful for somebody who makes tunes in their bedroom and barely gets to gig in a quiet, sleepy town to be heard by tens of thousands of people is, is truly amazing and it's you know i can't express enough how grateful we are for fma's existence and you're right that 
that's the net label's role on a site or a community like FMA is to curate. Maybe we'll have a more defined sound going forward. I think probably the intersection between kind of hip hop and dark electronic music is definitely where we kind of find ourselves. So there's some guys who do more party time stuff, yeah, more of a lighter weight stuff. And there's definitely always going to be like a, a political bent to, to the things that we release. Yeah, I think everybody that we've worked with all is on a similar wavelength. There's a, mm. there's a like-mindedness to the music yep. and the people behind it. I think that's why we all get on so well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, FMA has been absolutely fantastic for us. And uh, it's like, I think the net, that that's one thing that we're really hoping to be able to do is like lead some people from FMA to our website. So our strategy going forward is to give FMA exclusive only albums, you know, albums that you can only find on FMA. Uh, one of the artists we're trialing that with is SJ Melia, who's releases have been very popular on FMA. So we're giving FMA three albums, which you won't even get on our band camp. And we're hoping that by knowing that there'll be stuff on our band camp that isn't on FMA, we can start leading some of those thousands of people that enjoy our music for free at, at FMA towards where the product is. Um, and yeah, we'll see how that goes, I guess. Do you want to talk a little bit about different platforms? Because there's different functionality in places like FMA and Bandcamp and a private website that you've designed. Um, mm. So would you would you say anything stands out comparatively between those like any advantages or disadvantages you've noticed to different platforms when we started we couldn't have done it without our own website um we were hosting our albums on was it like internet archive we started hosting them on archive.org archive.org that's it and we had a streaming service can't remember the name of it but it was like a little html player so we kind of cobbled it together out of various free bits then we found fma and then Bandcamp was born. And, and, you know, what I'd say now is that really as a startup net label, Bandcamp really does everything you need it to do. Like it does everything. Um, and, and it's kind of where everyone is, you know, the same way that Facebook became where everyone was on social media and all the others died off of it. Um, so I think Bandcamp is probably going to corner the market and, and really you don't need anything. But, you know, I think mo more traffic goes direct to our Bandcamp now than goes to our site. Um, but we will be building a new site. And I think if you want to, um, you know, go big and have people take you seriously as a label, um, you know, in the press and in terms of, you know, your international standing, it does help to have your own site and for it to look really good. And of course, it's got to be responsive and that costs money. <laughs> so, you know, down the BLM 100 and um, chuck us a few shackles. <laughs> Yeah, so you've sort of been foreshadowing about this next phase of Black Lantern. Do you want to do you want to give any drop any hints about it, or do you want to kind of keep it under wraps for now? Well, first of all, just to say that even though we might be taking a little break, we're still uh, going to be releasing stuff. Technically, like um, we're going to revisit some of the back catalogue of Black Lantern, like um, Gareth's work with Harlequinade's Church When the Shit Is the Fan. Um, I think that's one of the releases that really embodies what our sound and our ethic and our aesthetic is all about. Um, also, All Urban Outfields, uh, Sacrifice Fly that we dropped last year. We want to do deluxe physicals of these because, you know, we love our back catalogue. We love our one to a hundred and we think certain parts of it deserve a bit of, um, you know, a bit of hype. Um, another thing we're going to be re-releasing is the Double Helix album, which is the first thing um, I've ever wrapped on um, collaboration with Morphemish, who's now doing his own thing as a solo artist. So we've got, um, you know, like I, I think three or four, at least three or four physical projects that will come before we relaunch. Uh, when we relaunch, we were definitely planning on dropping some vinyls. I think we'll probably keep it to ourselves 
how that's going to play out. But, um, you know, if you, if you look at our roster and some of the exclusives on BLM 100, that could give you maybe some hints as to the kind of um, finals we're hoping to drop. And, of course, we'll look to distribute that as widely as we can. I mean, you got to start small. Uh, you know, we're going to try and get into stores in the UK. Um, but yeah, hopefully before the end of the year, you'll see a Black Lantern vinyl. That's that's what we're aiming for in it, man. That's it. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I just, I'd like to add like a massive thank you to the people that listen to our music on FMA. It really does count and it really does matter to these artists. And um, yeah, we're just hugely off with the response we've got. Absolutely. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive and is supported in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song this week is The Spider-Man's Nano Loop by Uncle Bibby and can be found at freemusicarchive.org. For more information about Gareth and Bram's net label, please visit blacklanternmusic.com. 